Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster this morning. Whether you're joining us in person here in our sanctuary or viewing this worship service over our YouTube channel, we're so glad that you're all with us today. And if you're visiting with us, we offer you a special welcome and hope that you will uh, participate in all aspects of our service today. For all of us, our first gift to God is our presence in worship this morning and to acknowledge your presence and if you're if you're comfortable doing so, if you would please take the attendance register that you'll find in the hymn book holder on the chairs of the center aisle and uh, complete that for us, we would appreciate that. If you have received the letter from our pastor search committee this week, you know that after about a 10 month long search, we are very excited to recommend a very capable and experienced person to be our next pastor. She and her husband will be with us next weekend. So next Sunday, it's Pack-A-Pew Day, okay? She will be preaching and leading in worship next Sunday, and there will be three opportunities for you to meet and talk with them before Sunday, all here in the church building. Those will be next Friday and Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. each day, and also on Saturday from 10 a.m. till noon. So please take one of these opportunities to come and meet them. And after worship, uh, sun, after the worship service next Sunday, there will be a special call business meeting to vote on our search committee's recommendations. This afternoon, beginning at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary, members of our search committee will be here to make a brief presentation and to answer any questions that you may have. And of course, you can otherwise ask any of us if you have any questions. And as a reminder, our committee is composed of Joanne Alley, Paige Adkins, Peggy Burns, Beth Mayfield, Patty Pate, Carol Ann Tubbs, and me. The letter from the committee was sent only to Northminster members. So if you are a Northminster friend or otherwise didn't get a letter uh, and would like one, there are several on the table in the narthex, so please feel free to grab one uh, after the worship service today. Finally, you will have noticed that I've avoided using our prospective pastor's name. That is because she has not yet told her current congregation of her interest in us, but will do so upon our calling her. And we are streaming live today, so who knows who may be watching uh, our service today. And obviously her name and lots of information about her are in and with the letter. Uh, so this is really, really an exciting time uh, for us at Northminster as we are about to enter into the next chapter of our story here. We're thankful to Robert Crawford for creating the beautiful floral arrangement on the communion table for this morning's worship. And after the service, as usual, feel, please feel free to take some flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. And always please review the order of uh, worship or the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities. We welcome Scott Stearman back to Northminster this morning as our pulpit guest and worship leader. And Scott said, Craig, please, you don't have to say all that stuff about me. So this, okay, you ready? Scott, uh, in his early years as a pastor, pastored in Europe, and more recently, in the last 20 years or so, he's pastored in St. Louis and New York City, and now he's not, well, he's going to 
do a interim in Tampa, yeah, and 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 in New Orleans, and he is, uh, uh, and he's he's uh, he and his wife Cecilia live in Jackson, Mississippi now, and Scott's got some really nice degrees. So that's uh, enough about Scott. Scott, welcome back to Northminster. We appreciate your being here with us. Okay, and one more very important recognition, Ella. Ella, you want to come and just be here with, with Peggy. Today is Senior Recognition Day at Northminster, and one of our young people, Ella Mayfield, is graduating from West, West Washington High School, and we want to recognize and congratulate her. Ella was honored with the Citizenship Award and awards in history and fine arts, the highest ACT score, a four-point GPA for four years, and her grandmother said actually since kindergarten. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah. And a full scholarship to the University of New Orleans. Wow. <laughs> and that's not it. Oh. Ella will also be giving a valedictory address at graduation. So, in recognition of this milestone in your life, Ella, we at Northminster are giving you a copy of the new Interpreter's Study Bible. It's a really big Bible, as you'll see. <laughs> and hope you, that you will find it helpful in your life. Ella, congratulations. We are so, so, so proud of you. Now let us worship God together. Indeed, let us rejoice in the one who beckons us from the world's valleys where we are afraid into the verdant pastures of the holy. Let us worship the good shepherd. The Good Shepherd leads us in the paths we should go and safely bears us through the dark places. The shepherd's rod and staff are symbols of great strength and are a sign of comfort for all. In this place, the Good Shepherd has prepared a banquet for all. Kindness and love is lavished upon us. As we only walk with the Good Shepherd, we have assurance that His goodness and mercy follow. Our path shall lead to justice and peace. We shall abide in this place of comfort forever. Let us worship the Good Shepherd. Thanks be to God.
Please hear this reading from the 23rd Psalm. The Holy One is my ever-faithful shepherd. The one who watches over me makes sure I lack for nothing. When I am weary, she guides me to a green pasture where I can lie down in safety. When I am thirsty, we find still refreshing waters. My very soul is renewed by the gentle touch of my guardian. My shepherd guide directs my paths to right places. He has always known which places are right. At times, when I find myself in a dark valley with threats of violence and death, I can be free from fear. I only have to say, you, my friend, are with me. I am comforted when I see your rod and your staff. When I hunger, my shepherd prepares a feast to which all are invited, friends and foes alike, all together at one table. She even pours fine healing oil over my head. My cup of blessings are always filled to the brim. I have assurance that all this goodness and mercy will be with me all the days of my life and into eternity. I shall be with my shepherd forever and ever. Amen. A song of comfort in difficult times. Thanks Thanks be to God. Before I voice a prayer, let me just say two words of personal nature. One is a a word of gratitude for this opportunity to be with you. I think for the third time, I've been looking forward to it ever since I uh, received uh, those emails from from Craig. I check my inbox every day just to see if there's another (laughs) invitation for Craig to be with you. But but no, seriously, I, I really, it's always a joy to be over here in Monroe. It's a beautiful place. We have dear friends and this worship and your music is always an inspiration and I always leave here better than I came. So thank you. Uh, Second thing I will say is I'm just thrilled and excited about this new chapter in your congregation and your life and uh, I I happen to know the person uh, that you're praying about and I'm just thrilled for everyone involved. Let us pray together. Our Lord and our Shepherd, we pause to pray, which is to say we pause to seek to say what is on our heart. And as what is on our hearts is some version of recognizing that we are in need, in need of green pastures, of still waters, of protection from what endangers us and of the enemies that might plot against us and even protection for, from our own willful selves. We pray for new places to grow. We pray for guidance on our next life venture. We pray that we might recognize your constant presence with us. So today, we worship in recognition that you are our shepherd and that that notion is both more radical and more life-altering than we sometimes realize. So we pray for the grace to realize your shepherding through all of our lives. And we recognize that part of that shepherding leads us to be concerned with neighbors across the street or around the world. And so today we do pray for our 
neighbors and brothers and sisters from the Ukraine to Burma to places in Xinjiang, China or those on the other side of the track. May you lead us as our shepherd to be engaged in small or large ways to meet needs as we can. And today, particularly, we pray for those guardians and nurturers that we call mothers, some natural, some chosen, some who have left us, some who are young and still in the process of having or even adopting their children. We pray for them today. We know the journey isn't always easy, but we know the beauty and the joy of the call of compassion to live in the way of Jesus which is to say, to love and nurture and care for others. We pray in the name of Jesus these words. Amen.
reading from the Gospel according to John. It was the feast of the dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. summer of 1994, I found myself in Athens, not Georgia, but Greece. I had started some year or so before a PhD program in ancient philosophy. And somewhere throughout the months previous, I had heard about an opportunity, a need, in fact, of an interim pastorate in the English-speaking church of Athens, Greece. And so, through a beautiful confluence of events, what I would like to think of as a kind of, uh, well, mar marriage made in heaven, uh, I found myself in Athens, Greece, which turned out to be for a year and a half. While I was there, in fact, I met my now wife. And so a lot of th good things happened in Athens, Greece. The apartment that I lived in during that year was located in a southern suburb of Athens called Glyphada, which was um, just adjacent to overlooking the Aegean Sea. A lot of the uh, American and other English-speaking expats lived in this particular area, and so the church was located in that particular area. One day... I walked out of my apartment, which was way up the hillside, and decided instead of going down to the sea, which is where I would sometimes gravitate, I would journey up the hill or the mountainside, small mountainside, to an area several blocks away where the housing development had stopped and where small olive trees started and shrubs in some open territory that was undeveloped. And there, for the first time in my life, for the first time in my young 28-year-old life, I saw a real live shepherd. <laughs> and not just a shepherd, I saw shepherds. And I had the revelation of a lifetime. Now, I should... I should parenthetically say uh, that I'm not a city boy. 
In case it's not clear from my accent and my demeanor, I'm a country kid from Oklahoma. My proudest achievement in high school was that I was president of my chapter of FFA. <laughs> I have the blue corduroy jacket. If you don't know what FFA is, go home and Google it, because you need to know what an FFA is. So I was president of my chapter in Guthrie, Oklahoma, of the FFA. Blue corduroy jacket, I still have the... the, the the embroidery, Scott L. Stearman, president. Well, I grew up in a farming world. I was driving a tractor at the age of nine, literally. Uh, we had cattle and wheat. I showed steers as a young person. I had a friend who had sheep. But in Oklahoma, sheep are kept in pens and barns. And I don't think my friend would have known a shepherd's crook from a broomstick. I just... It's not what the way sheep are raised. So I, well, not until the age of 28, when I saw the real thing, that I really know what a shepherd looks like. Do you know what a shepherd looks like? Well, I can tell you. It looks like a kid in his late teens or early 20s with a ragged T-shirt and dirty shorts with rough tennis shoes and with the kind of appearance that he hasn't bathed in a few weeks. There was no crook, there was a stick, and there were several of them, mostly on the younger side of things. Not a very picturesque stick, I should say. Now, like you, some of you, like maybe, maybe most of you, I grew up in Sunday school. Shepherds were taught. Shepherds had long, quaffed blonde hair in some cases. <laughs> a beautifully trimmed beard. Always a stick. Always a robe that looked like it had been ironed. <laughs> they looked something like a regal and very safe shepherd, often, you know, with the lamb in the hand or in the arms, but always out of some kind of central Hollywood casting. In other words, they look nothing like the real thing. And the real thing, I think, is exactly what David had in mind as he started and as he wrote, as he composed this most famous of psalms in one of the more radical theological statements of the Bible. Yes, quite a radical statement. You see, David had been a shepherd. He was one of those kids, like me, exploited labor at nine years old when you grow up a farming kid and you're told to go out and tend the sheep. And in David's case, you know the story, it was quite a battle with a, a bear and a lion, right? Well, he knew about a shepherd. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. Now, it's going to take a moment this morning, but I want us to take just a moment, just a, a brief moment, to try to get our heads around what it will be like to hear this for the very first time. I think it's vital to take this moment, for the truth is in the real, and the real has sometimes been lost in our domesticated and very child-friendly vision of what a shepherd looks like and what a shepherd actually did. 
David knew what a shepherd was because he did. He was one. And when he realized that his Lord was in fact one, it was one of the more th important theological insights possibly in human history. Let me try this on you. Well, well, well th first of all, putting this in context, how is it that the Lord God is typically described in the Hebrew Scriptures? High and lifted up up on a throne, the great I am of Moses, that concept of the one that was yesterday, today, and forever, this existential eternal one, the father of fathers, the ultimate patriarch, the rock that will not be moved, the pillar of fire that leads, the one so transcendent and so other that Moses but would catch a glimpse of this God and his countenance was so changed that the people of Israel were scared to death when they saw Moses. That's the Lord. That's God. That God is my shepherd? A shepherd? These were the poor of the poor. These were the, either the children of farming families like mine, like David's, or they were men who had no other options. Spend the day and the night out of some intemperate hillside, leading and protecting sheep. It's not a fun job, no matter how pretty the pasture. This means getting your hands bloody, fighting off the wolf or the bear or the wild dogs. It means walking away from the flock that you're concerned about to find the one, the one lost sheep, you know this story, the one lost one out in the thicket. It means aiding a ewe in giving birth in a bloody birth. This means going days and days, maybe months without a proper meal. This means not an easy life. It is a life of a low-class, very poor person who has no other option. The Lord is my shepherd is not a sweet statement. This is a major theological step towards a new vision of God, an understanding of an incarnate kind of God who will chase us down and pull us out of the briar patch, a God who walks with us, a God who is willing to get God's hands dirty in the process of keeping us safe and leading us to green pastures. This is a different image of God. Now try to, try to catch the emotional reaction of those who have heard this for the first time. And, and just, just go with me for a minute. Just walk with me on this very short little homiletical journey as I try these out on you. The Lord is my car mechanic. He keeps my car going. The Lord is my maid, keeping my life cleaned up. The Lord is my waiter, bringing good things to my table. And my personal favorite, I just made these up by the way. Uh, the Lord is my flight attendant, bringing me water and peanuts and keeping me safe when we crash. Okay, you're all very glad that I'm not a psalm writer. <laughs> and I guess I am too. Uh, 
I, I'm glad my livelihood doesn't depend on it. But, but I hope by just putting this in a more contemporary context, we can get a, a glimpse of how oddly radical David's image is here. This is not the God of the faraway and transcendent with the emotions of a diffident aristocrat or a monarch who must be bowed to or curtsied. No, 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 no. No, this, this is a God who finds us hungry and leads us to places that fill our soul. This is a God who steps into the weeds and pulls us out of the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. This is the one who makes us, did you hear, makes us lie down in green pastures. This is the God with the energy of a late teen or somebody in the early 20s who will run towards what endangers us and who will wait up all night with us and who aids us in giving birth to the new in our lives. That's the God who was our shepherd. And that's very different than some monarch on a throne who may nod in our direction when we feel alone. No, no, no. All of us, through all of our lives, experience uh, these two things. Every one of us, above the age of five, I guess, will experience these two realities. One is that we find ourselves in the thicket we were caught in the web of our own unfortunate choices. We've all been there. We all know what that's like. To say, whoops, hmm, I've got myself into this old mess. The second thing all of us, and we know more about it today than maybe we did two or three years ago, the second thing all of us will experience is the wolf that comes from nowhere to destroy us, over which we have no control and for which we have no responsibility, like a pandemic comes out of nowhere, uproots and turns over everything we thought was right and good in the world. I have, you have, we all have found ourselves at the wrong end of wrong choices and also found ourselves in circumstances over which we have no control. And in those situations, we need a shepherd. Our gospel text, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the good shepherd and I am the one in whom God has placed you, my disciples. And what God has placed, no one could snatch away. You're safe in those hands. Now, I would not be doing my task this morning if I said to you, it always feels that way, for it does not. In those dark and difficult places, when you're not finding yourself in a green pasture or next to still waters, it's hard to feel the truth of this. But I can honestly say, at this stage in my life, no longer in my late teens or early 20s, I can honestly say, through the scope of my life, I have indeed sensed this guiding shepherd and known that when I'm open to and willing to not go off on my own, when I'm open and listening, more often than not, I find green pastures arising on the horizon and I find those places that nourish my soul. 
And secondly, throughout my life, I have met innumerable deputy shepherds. You didn't know that was a term, did you? People that are God, God's agents, God with skin on, who have been there for me as shepherds, encouraging, helping, protecting even people in churches like this one and where I've been around the globe. Shepherds with human skin on, helping when the wolf comes, aiding when I've wandered a bit from the fold. The Lord has been my shepherd. In other words, not unlike a good mother who nurtures and protects her children. In other words, very like the person Jesus, who was an always human like us, who lived as one without a pillow, without a place to lay his head. And women and men followed Jesus in his era, and they were as messy and meandering and muddles as every one of us in this room. But Jesus loved them through it all. And this Jesus taught us about the good shepherd who loves and leads us through it all as Jesus did live as Jesus did die his arms stretched wide as the world Thank you.
one of the blessings of this table, just one of them, is this reality of the bread and the fruit of the vine that reminds us that the things of which we speak, things that we yearn for and pray to are as real as the events of that night 2,000 plus years ago were real, a real body.
Amen.